0: Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler.
1: Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network, and today there are four of us. I want to welcome back Chris. I want to welcome back Neil, And of course, Jacob, Gwen, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having us. All right. Hi, good to be back. First Timothy three one says this, this is a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Before I went into the ministry, I would see different people and different ministers, and I would talk to them, and they would say things from the pulpit and to me privately, like, I surrendered to God's call to be a minister of the gospel. I would also hear when I would ask other pastors about ministry and and an interest to know if I was called to ministry, and I would hear them say things like, if you can do anything else, do that. Don't do pastoral ministry. Uh, are these sayings helpful and what do you think they're trying to communicate when they say these things as we think about am I called to ministry how do we discern that well definitely
2: I I sense that there's some desire there to uh to get a person to appreciate the burden and and in one sense some warning is worthwhile I mean it's a challenging task and And I would say the challenges are maybe different for me than even what some of those um, comments want to point people towards. I mean, how difficult the job is, um, how great of a responsibility is, those those are real things. So I think there's a desire there to communicate the burden of pastoral ministry. Um, But it's also that desire, I think, sometimes for us as pastors, for people to appreciate what we do, which isn't necessarily coming from a right motivation. So, So wouldn't you guys... Wouldn't you guys agree that there's a desire there to communicate burden, and that's that's what they're going after
3: yeah, I think that's kind of part of part of it is that there is a like you were saying Neil, just to communicate there there is a burden there um you know Paul talks about it if those who desire to teach they you know they're held accountable accountable doubly so right there there's a burden there that we kind of have to weigh out, so I think part of that is the language for sure.
4: I think it's also just a recognition of the fact that I mean, churches aren't served well by people who are only in it half-heartedly. We we need people who are gonna really devote themselves to that work and so just giving that that word of warning ahead of time, you know, count the cost, which is a biblical
1: <laughs> a biblical idea, isn't it? Absolutely. All right, well brothers, let's let's move then into this. Let's pretend that someone has has messaged us in here to the Appalachian Baptist Network. They want to know, brothers, how do I discern if I am truly called to be a minister of the gospel? What are the things I need to look at? Now, I'm going to say that there are two areas that we have to look at. The first one is going to be a subjective area. So this is going to be uh, what I mean by that is you're going to have to do some self-examination and examining your own heart internally, what what we're, what we you think and desire. And then second of all, there'll be objective things that must be there that other people can see, and that is true from the Word of God. So let's walk through some of these together. What would we say on the subjective end needs to be with a person or inside of a person who feels they may be called to ministry?
4: Well, the first thing I would say is just and maybe I should have mentioned this a moment ago when we were talking about the idea of surrendering to the call. Really, the the idea of, of surrendering to the call to ministry, that's what happens when you decide to follow Jesus. So that's true of every Christian. Every Christian who has truly decided to follow him has surrendered to him as Lord and has signed up for the ministry of the gospel in some way, shape or form. So that's true of all of us. More specifically, that that subjective element of calling to ministry, I think, uh, will probably vary a bit depending on you know what si- type of ministry a person is gifted for. Um, but I would say there's got to be a a real discernible love, not only for the Lord, but a love for His church, and a real desire to serve the people of the church, and and to to put yourself out there and to to give of yourself for the good of the the body of Christ. So I think that's, that's a primary thing. If you don't love the church, I question whether or not you should enter vocational ministry.
3: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I I'm pretty sure, you know, I I think so often when we talk about the idea of calling, whether it's called a ministry or whatever, we typically use it only in the language towards those called towards pastoral ministry or some sort. But like, you know, as as Chris was saying, is every believer in Christ, uh, when when they put their faith and their trust in Christ, they they were called to Him out of a lifestyle and to Him, which meant uh, they were called to to share the gospel. They were called to uh, to live a life that's centered around the Great Commission. The question is, is vocation right? And is when it comes to vocation, has God gifted me in various areas to serve his church, to love the bride, or has he gifted me in other areas that uh, maybe in some other role, uh, a doctor, a a nurse, a a teacher, whatever. And I'm still called to Christ. I'm still called to the great commission, but he's given me a different vocation. And so uh, I think it's helpful in that, from that perspective of kind of looking inwardly, asking myself the question of, of okay, Lord, the the gifting that you've given me, the the spiritual gifts, the skill sets, uh, is this something that you're using for your church, or for a vocation uh, that you've called me to? And I'm just going to be a great commission follower of Christ that points people to the hope of Jesus. And and along with that, do you? I mean, do you
2: think there's got to be? Um, how do I say this? I well, it was uh, it was Driscoll who said. That after after he initially kind of kind of imploded in his ministry out in the Seattle area, that that his gifting far exceeded his maturity. And, and so, do you think? I mean, I, do you think sometimes That's such a humble the, statement? Yeah. Well, well, but he was obviously gifted, right? I mean, he he was a, a great communicator. He, he, God was God was using his preaching to challenge a lot of young people in that community. And yet, there were obviously character issues that he was not addressing. And I, I think sometimes we we enamor for the position without desiring or hungering to be the the person um, on a more private individual level. And so, so in some sense, our character is tangible; it should be observable. Um, but, but I guess are we are we hungering to be that person? W- which, again, it, it is in one sense, it's completely consistent with being a great commission follower of Jesus. And, and so, are are we as hungry to be that man of God as we are to have that position? And if we aren't, then that's scary.
4: No, that's a yeah, and I, I think that's a really good yeah. word because you can you can definitely, at least in our context, in our part of the world, in our you know church culture, there are elements of the job that are appealing, and then there are others that aren't. And and you can find people who maybe just aspire to the position of elder or pastor because of the perceived perks. And yet they're not really interested in, as you say, developing the type of discipline and character that's required for the
3: position. Yeah. And I think it, you know, we, we've not really talked about this. We've, but you know, when I have talked to, to men who have had a desire for ministry, you know, one of the first things I'm, I'm going to point them towards and talk through with them is reading various passages of scripture, like you read at the beginning of the podcast and just asking them as we walk through the passage um, in your life, do you see this character being developed? Is it present? Is it non-existent? How is this in your life? Because I I think part of, when you talk about a call towards pastoral ministry, eldership, it's gotta be affirmed by others, right? Which means that as I'm pursuing Christ and he's working in my life and, and, and sanctify me, then that means outwardly I, my life ought to bear that fruit. And so I think it, you know, it kind of goes without saying, but that character has to be there. And there has to be that qualification that's met uh, in, in conjunction with the calling.
1: One more thing I'm going to say, you made a great segue to move us towards uh, the outward or objective things we can look at for a call to ministry my mentoring pastor vic wallace said this and you can actually and he's in an interview on the appalachian baptist network you can go back and listen to that he's 90 years old and as he was walking with me through my call to ministry he used jeremiah 20 verse 9 where jeremiah is describing what it's like to uh, have a call of god to preach the prophetic word he said a burning fire shut up in my bones i am weary with holding it in and I cannot, uh, and I've oftentimes thought of this verse, and at a moment when I was ready to throw in the towel, you know, I thought about this, but then Neil kind of affirmed that. He said, brother, what else are you going to do? I,
4: I would uh, I would affirm that sort of inward desire, like that—that that is the subjective side, like I, I feel a burden to do this. I really believe this is what God has called me and gifted me to do, But balancing that with the outward or objective call, I think you've got to be very aware of that because unfortunately, I think we've probably all known people or or run across people who say they've been called to preach, but you hear them preach and you begin to question that call, right? You you sure you heard that right? Uh, I'm not, not too sure there. And on the other hand, there is at least in our tradition of the Baptist tradition, there's always that outward affirmation by the congregation, right? Like, how is it that I know I was called to serve as a pastor? Well, they voted yes, right? So that kind of confirmed that. If they had voted no, that would have caused me to say, okay, God, did I miss something here? Am I I not discerning this call correctly? Um, Because we want to affirm the wisdom of the body and those who know us well and who see us in action and if there's uh, you know a gifting issue or a character issue that causes them to say oh no I'm not too sure about this then we need to pay attention to that and and that's one thing that I think is largely missing in our day and age when you have so many people who just start a website or whatever and then call themselves pastor so and so that's that's not quite the same thing as going through the the process with a local congregation who can affirm you and and you know call you into that position yeah macarthur spoke to
2: that recently on a podcast that i i was listening to that he did and he he just he spoke to the danger of of all of these independent churches that that kind of can pop up and and they get a a preacher who who preaches eloquently who is easy on the ears and so he gathers a following and, and he calls himself a pastor and yet, there's no oversight over that individual, his his doctrine or his calling. And he said that's that's part of why one of the things that contributes to so many pastors falling today is is guys are are doing ministry without the oversight or affirmation of their character that comes with being called by a church, going through a seminary process. And, and I thought that yeah, that was a really good point he made and, and convicting for me.
3: Yeah, I think yeah, it's, I think it's a good word. I mean, that's why Paul tells us, you know, um, keep close to your doctrine because you you save not only yourself but all the hearers also. When he's uh, giving that word of exhortation, that uh, you know, there, there's got to be there's got to be that burning in the bones, a desire to preach God's word, to uh, expand these truths, and and knowing that God's put that as a as a desire in your life. But at the same time, you've got to be tethered to those qualifications, which are in Scripture, and, and it's got to be affirmed by, by the body. It's got to be affirmed by elders. It's got to be affirmed by the church. So,
1: uh, What are some giftings that are externally observable by the church that a preacher or someone who is called into pastoral ministry needs to have?
4: My, I mean, my, I think. My, sorry, Jacob. So no, I, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, my mind immediately goes to to teaching, right? You've got to be able to to rightly divide the word and present that in a way that's helpful and applicable for people. Uh, and if you if you aren't able to proclaim the word and teach the word, that's that's going to be a problem, given that that is a, a
3: foundational aspect of pastoral ministry. Yeah, and I I would say kind of leaping off of that would be, would be exhortation. You've got to be able to, you know, exhort people, encourage them. Um, you know, that, that comes through in your preaching, um, that comes through in counseling, uh, when it comes to, um, walking through counseling and sin issues with people, you're going to have to encourage them to pursue Christ and forsake sin. Uh, and so I I would say that it comes that element of of being able to be an encourager. I, I would say there's this element of, uh, of being able to, to, counsel with people. And, um, you're even in counseling, um, you're teaching, you're walking through scripture. Um, you're, you're having them to, to take off this sin and to put on Christ or to put on this element of his truth. And so, uh, so there's dev- definitely, different things, but, but it's always, and I would always encourage us. It's always tethered to the word in some, some way.
2: Yeah, and also what Chris said earlier, um, when we were speaking more intangible, I, I would say you want to see visibly that, that expression of the love for the church coupled with that. And so there, there's that desire to be amongst his people, to speak the word into relationships so that, that you're not asking them to do something in, in the preaching of the word that they haven't been doing regularly in, in other spheres of influence, whether it's one-on-one conversation or, or in a smaller group, a Sunday school, whatever it may be and so so i I want to see that heart for the church that, that this person loves the people of God and and is working and investing themselves in in the good of the body,
3: yeah, I think uh Neil, what you were saying what I think it was it Spurgeon that said that a uh, a shepherd should smell like their sheep hmm. um kind of an encouraging word that uh you know as as pastors as elders as leaders, you know we, we need, need to be with the body of Christ um. Because oftentimes it's in those one-on-one conversations. It's in relationship where um, where you're able to encourage, you're able to disciple. That's that's honestly where we're able to kind of exhort and help people grow spiritually. Um, yes, through the preaching of the word, but it's in those relationships where you're kind of tangibly giving application to God's word.
1: Actually, Chris and I know a brother who uh, thought he was called to ministry, and a group of elders sat down with him told him that you're not called to ministry and i think it was an area where he was uh there were some several of these external gift sets like you know being able to handle people and being around people in a uh a way that is formative and helpful uh you know those were some areas where he struggled and uh, they were able to rec- recognize that he did not have the gift set externally for pastoral ministry, and so I think he went on and, and became uh, another another vocation, and just remained faithful to the church. So, uh, brother, share with me your your call at, to ministry, how you knew, and what was helpful.
4: For me, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad has been in the ministry my whole life, and so I was very familiar with that. That environment, and I sort of knew growing up what that was like. When I was in high school, I first started feeling a desire or interest to serve the church vocationally, but at the time I was very unsure that that was actually from God. I thought, well, this is just what I know, this is what's familiar to me. I've, I've seen my dad do this, so that's kind of a logical step for me, and so I was hesitant to jump into that just because I didn't know if it was really from the Lord. And when I was in college, uh, some opportunities opened up for me to start serving the church through uh, teaching Sunday school and leading music and some things like that. And it was during that process that the others in the church started to really encourage my my ministry in that way. And they could, they could say things like, you know, we can tell God's using you, or this seems like a really good fit for you. And so that is what solidified it in my mind, not my own, you know, desire or, or feelings on the matter, but the fact that godly men and women who had known me my whole life were affirming that, that, that solidified that confirmation for me. And so that's when I decided uh, to really pursue you know, vocational ministry, given, given the encouragement of my home church.
3: So, uh, so for instance, for myself, uh, you know, I didn't grow up when I was young, I didn't grow up in a, in a a home full of believers, but uh, my parents came to faith when, uh, uh, when I was in elementary school. And so there was kind of a huge shift in, in the life of my family and, and so we moved around a lot with my dad in the military and we went to several different churches so we were involved in a local body we were involved in different churches uh never really had a had a calling towards ministry or felt uh a desire towards that and so when I graduated high school uh I went to college and uh was going to school to be a, a physical therapist and uh and so I you know, I was a committed believer and follow Christ. And so when I moved at, to college, I got involved in a local church, got involved in uh, uh, my Baptist student center on campus. And uh, and in, in, in so doing, I, I got involved in helping youth, uh, teaching youth, teaching Sunday school classes, uh, uh, doing a lot of just teaching and small group ministry. And, and I loved it. And I had Multiple people who just kind of like Chris said that just said, "Hey, have you ever thought about ministry or you have a unique gifting for teaching and uh just explaining the Word of God and just the way you connect with with others and trying to encourage them in god's word and, and I told myself I, I had had no desire for that uh didn't even want to pray about it and so uh you know during that time I you know a lot of times the summer I would serve at a a Christian camp and um you know, I enjoyed it. And, and during that time, God was really putting a burden on my heart um, as I was just uh, seeing kids come to faith and discipling in the word. And um, God started putting a, a burden in my heart for that. I, I loved doing it. I loved seeing these people come to Christ and love discipling the word. And when I came back to college, I was uh, in the midst of, you know, um, halfway through my time there and spent some time with my uh, campus minister and just talking about just this burden that I felt the Lord was putting in my heart. Um, you know, when, um, when Travis was reading from Jeremiah about that burden in his bones, that's, I mean, that's how I felt, you know, it was like my, I kept thinking, I can't believe I'm going to change my major. What would I even change my major to? Uh, there's nothing here at a, at a university for me. What do I do? And so, man, I, I had just a campus minister that just walked to the word with me, uh, we walked through uh, letters uh, that Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus. And uh, we started looking at just character in my life and desire in my life. He gave me opportunities to uh, uh, to preach, uh, got opportunities to preach in churches and involved in associational ministry. And it just was really affirming uh, as he just walked through a process with me. Uh, also having others that just affirmed it in my life. and And as I was in college, I just had this desire, I thought, you know, I know I went to school for physical therapy, but I have no desire to be a physical therapist. And I, you know, I know people make that phrase. Can't imagine doing something else, but I, I really couldn't imagine doing something different. And so God just really worked in my heart during that period, and uh, that that's kind of my calling towards ministry. So yeah, so so mine was mine was actually uh, I guess
2: early seeds were planted when I was in seventh grade, and I read the autobiography Bruchko. Um, about a missionary that, that did missions work down in Columbia shortly after graduated from high school. And, and that sort of, I always say that, that being a pastor is the only real job I've ever wanted to do before that. I at one point wanted to be a pirate. And at one point wanted to be like a cowboy, like, like the six shooter kind, not like the farmer kind. Uh, um, so, so, yeah. so, so essentially I, I read that book and, and, and missions and ministry, um, was really on my heart. Something I got kind of excited about when I got into high school, I was discipled by my youth pastor towards ministry. Um, and similar to both your guys' experiences, it was a number of affirmations throughout my life, the rest of the time that, that continued to to affirm that sense of calling um, for me. And, and again, it, it, speaking to Travis, it was funny because what, you know, you were uh, sharing in terms of what I encouraged you with, you you spoke back in my own life more recently because because i I always think of that point where all the disciples had left Jesus in John six and then then he turns and he looks at his disciples and he says, "Okay, are you guys going to go too and he, they say, "Lord, where else would we go? You have the words of life and and in some sense well, while that's speaking more to salvation mm-hmm. it's very true what else what else would I do um in, in those moments of discouragement that's often a question. I asked myself, I mean, what what else would I do? And, and, and I I love it. it. It's great to be a pastor and to be able to speak the word of God into people's lives. So,
1: yeah, I think that there are times, there are pastoral ministry of seasons and there are times in ministry, there's nothing better. And it feels like you're flying on a, you know, a jet, you know, what's the fastest plane now? I used to know when I was in high school, but You know, uh, 747, it's big, fast. You know, you're flying, you're blowing and going over the desert. And then you're just like, man, this is incredible. Flying high, I'm going fast. Things are going perfect. And there are other seasons in ministry where you feel like you are in the desert with no shoes, with no shade, scratching around in the dirt, just trying to make it to a place where there's just a drop or two of water. And uh, horse was no name, right? That's exactly right. And so uh, that is it. Uh, quickly before we go here, I'll share mine. I don't know if this is helpful for other people or not, but we are sharing this. So when I, the first time I had ever entertained the thought of being a pastor was when I was, uh, in probably 1994, whenever there was a, a evangelist that came to our church at first Baptist fall branch, he asked to speak to the youth department before he, um, uh, went in and did the revival. And I talked with him and bantered with him some, and I remember him saying during the sermon, he said, "I've met your youth here, and that one right there, that Travis Tyler one there, he's either gonna, uh, he'll either end up in jail or be in the pastor of this church. I'm just not sure which one it'll be." So, and I had never even considered the thought of ministry until then. I thought, "Huh, pastor." And then as I began to think about it more, I, I sort of began to think, "Well, you know, it wouldn't be bad to stand up and proclaim the word of God." And I began to envision that is a possibility and that all just sparked from a joke that an evangelist made in a youth conference you know what i mean it all kind of started there so, were there
2: any similar leanings towards being in jail or was that not as appealing to
1: you well that's not what this episode is about so <laughs> we'll, we'll have to do another one actually we may all get a fair shot at doing that there's a guy that we went to southern with neil who uh landed in jail this week for opening his church in canada there just north of you uh and slapped a 12 million dollar fine i'll have to send you the the link later but anyhow yeah so uh so yeah the the jail thing didn't work out so ministry did you know what i mean so <laughs> and um and then from there just An an affirmation when I got to college in my freshman year, a desire, you know, thinking about the cross and making sure others understand what happened at the cross, what happened when Christ came, what the gospel is, and seeing people come to the Lord and this desire for that, and then announcing that at my home church. And I remember they, they clapped and they stood, and they clapped and they stood when I announced it, and of course affirmed. With a, um, back then, and I think this is what a lot of churches do, before you're ordained in, in Southern Baptist life, you receive, um, oh, what is that called? The the thing you get before your license, you the license. They gave me the license to ministry. And then when you become more of an established minister, you're ordained later, usually is how it goes, Within uh, normally at your first church. So it it was a you know Vic spent a lot of time talking to me about those pass that passage I shared and um, you know and I think God I think Al Muller's right God does not call Satan generally doesn't tempt men to preach the gospel and preach the word of God and so I think that's a God God centered desire that's placed in the life of a person so uh, well we we're out of time today any closing thoughts or what's one last thing you would say to someone who is seriously considering ministry in that call.
2: That's easy for me. I mean, I I spoke with a guy in the last week who was beginning to express some of those uh, desires and longings, and, and and you see again some of those giftings in his life that 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 could affirm that call. But but the big thing is find a spot to be faithful in a local church, and and so pursue a relationship with a guy in ministry. Allow him to speak in your life, and and if you come to them and they say, hey or you say, I want to be a pastor, and they say, hey, we really need somebody to make coffee and open the church up in the morning, then make some coffee and open the church up in the morning. Do what you can to serve and demonstrate faithfulness in those little ways, because obviously being in ministry is going to call you into much larger and harder things than that.
4: Yeah, that's a really good word, and and I would just add to to anybody that maybe feels that inward subjective call, but has not yet experienced the outward call from a congregation or anything like that i would i would just encourage you to resist the urge to just sort of strike out on your own and do something um trust the the collected wisdom of your church and your pastors and uh if you if you don't feel that you can trust them that's probably not a church you should be in but if if you can trust them then you should trust them to to you know lead you in that element of your discipleship to provide opportunities for ministry that they feel are appropriate for you at this point. And then just, just ask, you know, can you, can you help me? Can you lead me? Can you help me discern what God may be leading me to? But I would really encourage you to just trust the church and trust God's wisdom in the church and not, not just say, well, they're not going to let me do it here. I'll go start my own or something like that, because
3: I don't think that honors honors the Lord really. Yeah, I I would piggyback on what what Neil was saying is I know for my own life, it was just while faithfully kind of serving, Uh, God started putting more of a burden on my life for that. And people started affirming it. And so, uh, you know, I I would meet guys in seminary sometimes who felt had this call to ministry, but had never, never served, never really wanted to serve. They wanted their first time to serve be when they stepped up into the pulpit. And I, I don't think that's healthy uh and i and i don't think that's quite right the way god's calling works and so i'll just be honest with you, i think if you have a desire to to call to ministry is it you know start serving today in your local church if you have no desire to serve in any capacity in the local church you probably don't have a call to ministry and uh, and i would encourage you to to be in the word uh god oftentimes speaks through through just very ordinary means you know we we think god's going to give us this burning bush uh you know revelation of a call to ministry. And oftentimes it's through his ordinary means of being in the word and prayer and pursuing him daily that his word is speaking to you directly. And so that would be just my exhortations right there.
1: I'm basically going to say what you said in a different way, all three of you, but um, I'm going to warn you, particularly in Southern Baptist life, I think churches are sometimes quick to put men into the pulpit. And I think this is probably something we see worse and other churches that don't emphasize theological training. Don't be a novice in the pulpit without the training that you need. Have mentors who are guiding you and seek to be trained as best you can. Uh, And you may suss out, you know, you can always, if you're, you know, if you've already got your bachelor's done, you can always, you know, audit some seminary classes to know, you know, if I'm going to do this or whatever, it's not going to hurt anything. And if it makes you a better, it'll at worst case scenario, you're going to become a better, more knowledgeable layperson. You know what I mean? Uh, So, you know, I would say you you need to, you need to seek that and don't get, don't fall into the temptation of your charismatic, your gifted and people are ready to see you in the pulpit just because you're young and gifted. You need to be careful with that. Right. So. All right, brothers, thank you. And I hope this was a helpful episode. Join us next time.
0: You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our hosts, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at slash. Appalachian-Baptist-Network. Join us again next Monday.